Welcome back to Square Horror. I am your Duke of Spook, Danny. I'm the master of ceremonies, Matt. I'm joined in the studio by uh, my cousin Steph, who I believe is unfortunately still yet to come up with a nickname. Um, I guess she said it's my job. Um, so <laughs> we've got her. She's helping me out with this with this movie because uh, uh, we got a lot to unpack here. We really do. My God, is there a lot to unpack with this '90s classic? You say '90s classic. I mean, I, I would think so. It's talked about enough. I mean, I agree. I, it was very cool watching it uh, with a bunch of people that hadn't seen it before mm-hmm. because it was, as it unfolds, you go, wait, holy shit. Or like, oh man, they're in this? And it just keeps going and going. And it feels like it hit at a very interesting point in everybody's careers. Mm-hmm. And it didn't harm anyone's careers. It only ever kind of improved them. So I guess because everyone looks back on it fondly. Yeah. That it's just kind of like well remembered. Steph says it's got a 4.8 on IMDb. That sounds about right. I mean, the movie <laughs> in... Yeah, it's out of 10, not 5. I okay. thought it was out of 5 at first. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Well, this movie is listed in um, the book The Official Razzie's Movie Guide as one of the 100 most enjoyable bad movies ever made. You know, I, I, yes. It definitely <laughs> is an enjoyable bad movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the Razzies say so, I mean, that's definitely got to mean for something. Yeah. But we'll get into it as we go in, but... Aside from, like, the plot, the writing, and some of the acting, it's a beautifully shot movie. It really is. So, I have to, listeners, I have to admit, I had never seen this movie before last week, so I really didn't know what I was getting myself into when we were talking Anaconda. I've been Um, dying to wait to know what you (laughs) think about it. But it was very different than I kind of expected out of it, because I expected it to kind of be a little schlocky, but it's really, like, well shot. And it's like... You, I feel like you hesitated to say good. <laughs> I, I did. Because, yes, it's enjoyable. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, it's not a bad movie. Well, it's not a terrible movie. <laughs> it's not a bad movie. Well... <laughs> It's an entertaining movie at the very least, and it's just so fun Uh, because the characters all have these very intense dynamics with each other, especially once um, What's-His-Putz gets picked up from his broken boat. Yeah. Um, So, as bad, quote-unquote, as we have now said it is, apparently it was an enormous box office success, which probably attributes to everyone being like, yeah, you know, it it was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just one of those movies that is unfortunately a product of its time and aged badly, like, immediately, as opposed yeah. to about, like, ten years later. It made $136.8 million worldwide, which oh, means shit. that they did a wide release of the movie, especially for it only costing under $50 million. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really not bad. And unlike a lot of movies of this caliber that, like, the Sci-Fi Channel later went on to make... I feel like they spent every bit of the $45 million. Like, oh, yeah. The, the the CGI effects are used sparingly, and there's clearly a lot of attention put onto them. Yes, they didn't age well. I bet that trailer that you watched, Steph, was not pretty when it came to the CGI. Uh, but uh, Well, <laughs> some of the trailers, it, it the CGI <laughs> wasn't done. The CGI wasn't even done? Yeah, they just didn't put in the CG snake yet for some of it. Well, and it's interesting because... Uh, Per second, the CGI, the Anaconda, like the CGI Anaconda costs $100,000 per second. And I think that was nice because they utilized a lot of practical effects as much as they could for the snake. Mm-hmm. Well, because yeah, they had two different snakes they were using um, in terms of like the actual animatronic snakes. They had one that they called, I think their queen, that was about 60 feet long. Or no, 40 feet yeah. long and 5,000 pounds. And the other 5, one was the warrior pounds. that was 25 feet and 1,500 pounds. Cool. Yeah, because there are two snakes in this movie, which I kind of forgot about. Uh, I did not like know that was going to happen until the second <laughs> snake showed up at the end. And it's even bigger than the other one. Because I was like, wait, this one doesn't have its eye poked out. What's happening yeah. here? I think it's so cool, um, just like with Crawl and just like with Jaws, uh, I think we have to have 
a segment on each of our Nature Nightmare episodes where we talk realism just for a second. Okay. Um, snakes are not enormous. They're not whale-sized. Mm-hmm. Um, the anaconda is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the anacondas is are. a big one. Yeah, and, like, they're still pretty big, um, and they have that whole little, like, fake facts at the beginning of the movie where they talk about, like, how it will kill even if it's not hungry or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just think that they're all lies. And how it'll <laughs> kill twice, like, which isn't a yeah. thing. You can't kill something twice. Well, no, it would kill something and then, like, stop eating it to kill something else. I thought that's what they were trying to say. Oh, that makes more sense, because I thought it was like, it will kill it, and then puke it back up to kill it again. And I was like, that's not how killing works. <laughs> well, no, what they did kind of hit on is that when snakes get scared, they'll throw up their last meal so that they can be faster to run away. Because snakes run away. They don't mm-hmm. attack thing. They don't attack like humans. They just run. Because <laughs> the snake is... The snake is not an idiot. It doesn't really go for things that are bigger than it. In this case, I guess we're just rats to the anaconda, so it doesn't feel bad hunting mm-hmm. us because it's four times our size mm-hmm. uh, and can bicep curl people up a waterfall and eat them, which is my favorite scene in the movie, <laughs> and we'll definitely talk about it. Oh, we gotta. <laughs> um. Let me hear a little bit more about your reaction. Did you watch it with a group of people that knew about it or like had like cuz it was at least on your radar of like what it kind of was, right? Like you knew Jennifer Lopez was in it, Nice Cube, right? So yeah, I had heard about this movie before. I had never really known many details. Of, I only I only knew that Ice Cube was in it. I did not know that JLo was in it. So that was a oh. fun surprise. Um and I certainly did not know that Danny Trejo Machete himself was in this movie for a whole yeah, man, 30 seconds. The, yeah, he's the cold open kill that's pretty much just the ending of Jaws with a snake. Yeah. Um, but so I watched this with Grace. This was our first movie of Spooktember. Um, and we had no idea what was going to happen. Also, we had to watch it on Hulu which sometimes stinks yeah. because Hulu puts ads in the middle of their movies now. I think it helped kind of get a reality check to, like, remind myself I wasn't living in the world that, like, The Mummy was the mm-hmm. greatest action movie of the time. I mean, it still it was. But, like, that that was the writing quality to aspire to. It was kind of nice to get, like, a modern ad for something like house of the dragon or whatever and then it was like now back to the 90s i was gonna say well i got one that just looked like a scene out of the movie and i was like wait this doesn't make sense these are all new characters and then i saw in the corner that it was an ad and i was like god damn it (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah it's it's i i have a hard time putting into words my experience with this movie because it is such a movie that like you have to experience it to believe it's real because like so much of this movie if you just put it on paper shouldn't make sense but when it's in the context of this movie somehow it just does and it works yeah it's very much of the time where we still had like in action movies and horror movies alike we had very distinct archetypes Mm -hmm. for characters and that was just the way hollywood was for most actors in the 90s was like you were handsome you were bad or like you had any other degree of various stereotype based on just how you looked and that Mm -hmm. was your selling point yeah it works in this movie because those archetypes in this context especially with even just like a little like a little shred of depth Mm -hmm. like i'm watching it with kelly and we were like, man, fuck this professor guy. But by the end, we're like, I actually kind of like him. <laughs> nah, man, I always wanted the professor to die. I can't, He got on my no, last I wanted nerve. him to die, but like, <laughs> it, it kind of, I don't know, it, it felt like the characters didn't stay one note through an entire... That's like, true. Ex- you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it had a... There, there was some progression. It felt mm-hmm. like a living, breathing person instead of just like someone that had to be... Like, have you seen Bodies, Bodies, Bodies? I have not. That is an example of what I just mentioned. Okay. <laughs> it just came out. It's hilarious, but it does get a little tiresome. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. But so the people that you knew when you started watching the movie, like who, who was familiar to you? 
So, okay, hold on. Let me pull up the cast real fast to make sure I'm not getting anybody's names wrong. Um, yeah, we've got we've got it up as well. So naturally, I know Ice Cube. I feel like everybody knows <laughs> Ice Cube. Because lest we forget the famous John Mulaney bit where he's just roasting Ice Cube for not knowing how things work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that, actually. Um, Owen Wilson is someone I never expected to see in a horror movie let alone as a semi-antagonist turn at one point. Um, oh, yeah. He does have this weird little part of the movie where he's like, hey, guys, this is kind of funny. We should just embrace it. Hey, guys, he might be right. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Don't listen to the crazy man, please. He didn't um, say wow in this entire movie, and that's I was disappointed. I said it for him. Uh, yeah <laughs> wow that's a big snake wow wow um then we had um jonathan hyde who it took me like who plays the professor it took me most of the movie to place where i knew him from yeah um and i finally placed him from the original jumanji movie yes he was uh the hunter right yeah yeah yeah, Jonathan Hyde. He's in a couple of other things I know as well, but yeah, I feel like Jumanji. I, like, I think he was in really Titanic. He was in Titanic. Boom. You're right. Killing You're the right. game. <laughs> <laughs> then of course we have Jennifer Lopez, who I feel yeah. like everybody knows in one way or another. But I think it's cool because where this movie came out for all of these people, it was a sh- it was not like it was now. Like mm-hmm. Yeah, we know Ice Cube, but, like, Ice Cube at that time, like, he, he had just left N.W.A. a couple of years ago. Like, he was an extremely prolific gangster rapper that, like, no one fucked. Like, he wasn't the meme that he is in, like, Are We There Yet? Like, he was yeah. hardcore. <laughs> yeah. And, like, uh, Jennifer Lopez, I think that was just starting to turn, like, she was trying to make the move to movies. Mm-hmm. Which she was able to do a little bit more. I actually don't know much about her. <laughs> She was? I believe so. Let me double check, though. I don't want to talk on my ass. Because um, I feel like she's been in some other movies that were, like, pretty high profile. Um, yeah. I just know that on the side bit, in, I think, the last year or the year before, she was in a movie with Owen Wilson. And now uh, I'm wondering, like, did it ever fitting. come up, like, hey, remember Anaconda? <laughs> I really hope it did. I don't know if it did, but I really hope it did. Oh my god, she, I forgot she was in the Ice Age movies. Yeah, she did Selena right before Anaconda. Okay, yeah, that was pretty big. Wait, she was in the Ice Age movies? Apparently, yeah, she was at least in some like, of the later like, ones. Oh, the later one. okay. I don't really know those ones, I only really know Ice Age the first, because my family would watch it in the Dells all the time. I was like, I only saw the first two, so I've never seen the other ones. Yeah, I don't know anything beyond that. Um, something I didn't know until I was looking at the cast list literally right now. Um, the <laughs> voice news. of the Anaconda yep. is uh, Frank Welker, who yeah. everybody <laughs> and their mom will recognize, not the name, but the characters he's played. Namely, yeah, like Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Yeah, Scooby-Doo voices the anaconda. And by voices the anaconda, we mean he just makes the animal noises the anaconda makes. I say, he hisses. He's pulling an Alan Tudyk in any Disney property. Yeah, Alan Tudyk, I mean, what do you think he yeah, learned it? Yeah, exactly. Like, Fred, Frank, uh, Fred Welker was, like, the proto-Alan Tudyk. And he was the Alan Tudyk in a non-Disney capacity. Like, Frank, Fred Welker did everything. Mm-hmm. I just know mainly, you know, Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo, he, he did Transformers. Fred. I think so, yeah. Hold on. Let me pull up his little IMDB real fast so we can... Wait, if he did Transformers, does that also mean that he was Eeyore? Because I feel like the guy that was Optimus Prime was Eeyore. This is now just a voiceover conversation. Uh, he, w- he, was, he was Megatron in some of them. He was Shockwave. He was Megatron. So, naturally, because this podcast is run by us two dorks, I do have to mention yeah. he was the voice of Shao Kahn in the original Mortal Kombat movie. Wait. He was the voice of Shao Kahn in, in the original Mortal Kombat. In the 1995 Shao movie. Kahn in he just shows up at the very end being like all menacing. He also did Reptile in the same movie, so he did both. 
It did the hissing noises for, for Reptile. And so I that's what... This was 97, conv- right? Yeah, I'm convinced the hissing in Reptile is what got him Anaconda. So again, we have a six degrees of Mortal Kombat where Fred Welker used the Reptile noise to voice the Anaconda. Um, yeah, I, I definitely made a note because the fact that if you look at IMDb, the first like six people, one of them is as the Anaconda. You're like, wait, what? The Anaconda mm-hmm. can speak? What ha- What is this movie? Like, what is going on? Yeah, uh, I also want to s- speak to um, John Voight for a little mm-hmm. bit. Please. Uh, so, John Voight, I believe, is uh, Angelina Jolie's father. But I know him because he's Nicolas Cage's dad in National Treasure. I feel like a lot of people would probably recognize him from that. Um, apparently, he's kind of an insane person, like nowadays. Oh, um, no. And he was a very insane person in this movie. And I don't know uh, where I can exactly place the accent he tries um, because it kind of goes from, like, vague, like, Mexican stereotype to, like, the godfather. Yeah, it gets. <laughs> I mean, it was again. It was of the time. Like, it didn't. It wasn't. It didn't make the movie not enjoyable. It just kind of made me go like, "What the fuck is he doing?" Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like it was probably interesting because you had a couple of characters whose actors were like Latin American, mm-hmm. and probably would have been like, "You could have just said it like this. You could have just said it like a normal person." Yeah. Um, Did you recognize the captain from anywhere? Um, oh, Mateo? Yeah. Uh, I didn't. Mateo? I couldn't place him anywhere. He just looked like kind of like a fill-in kind of guy. Like, no <laughs> offense to the guy. Like, he did a good job, but he kind of felt like it was someone who could have just, like, they found when they were getting ready to film and been like, you want to be in this movie? Because he doesn't really do a uh, whole lot. <laughs> No, he doesn't, but apparently he was in, to bring it back to another episode, he was in The Crow City of Angels. He was one of the guys, I think he was the dude um, that, uh, he's, he's the, like, the guy that manufactures all the drugs, that's like the first person that the crow kills, and he like, blows kidding. up that whole processing factor. I, I just looked at him, Steph brought it up. <laughs> Holy shit. And we're watching The Crow tonight for September, so boom. Yeah, it's fitting, boom. Yes, boom. It's meant to be. <laughs> I, don't know, I think that does it for the cast, right? I say I think we just have one more that we haven't touched on in the entire ten people who are in this movie, um, mm-hmm. which is uh, Carrie Wooher, Wooher, Woo-hoo. Um, who, along with Anaconda, is well known for one of her one of the other big monstrosity movies of the late '90s and early 2000s, Eight Legged Freaks. With oh, um, really? David Arquette. Um, she also, it looks like she's gone into a lot of voice acting recently. Um, okay. Specifically as Maria Hill in Marvel things as of late. Oh, interesting. She also was um, Barbara Gordon and Pamela Isley in the Batman Gotham by Gaslight movie a couple years back. Oh, very cool. Yeah, that one's really good. I think someone in our Saw series is Jim Gordon in that. Oh, that's rad. Yeah, I still haven't watched that one. I have so many Batman things I still need to watch. Hmm. Um, did you get a handle on um the uh like why they found Danny Trejo? Cuz I think this was before Machete. I ha- hold on. I'm going to see if I can find anything, but so far I hadn't been able to find any real reason as to why they got Danny Trejo for this movie? Um, I mean, besides the fact that he's Danny Trejo and everybody loves him. Um, That's true. Because lest we forget, only a few years after this, Danny Trejo then showed up in the Spy Kids franchise. Of course, yes. <laughs> because that was Can naturally that. everybody's uh, childhood, not just ours. We might just do a a separate series someday just about those movies because they very well might just be horror movies because everyone that made them like 
does horror movies. They just were like, what if we made something for kids for once? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I have no real reason as to why I see that he was in this movie, but I'm just happy he was. Agreed. Um, however, Anytime you have a Danny Trejo is great. My favorite thing about potential casting that almost happened, um, the professor in this movie was cons- uh, was almost Tim Curry, which would have made it very different, and I wouldn't have been rooting for him to die. I mean, Tim Curry can play a pretty good bad guy. Have you yeah, seen but I just Curry love Tim Curry, so that'd be the problem. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, if they had Tim Curry for the professor, it would have been kind of interesting because it would have been one of those times you're like, oh, yeah, he's British. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. You want to um, get into this? Yeah, let's let's get into this movie. I'll, I have one more snake fun fact about, like, fact versus fiction before we uh before we get too far <laughs> um so yeah again c- keep this in a grain of salt because this is a movie of fiction um yeah, with course. a 40 foot anaconda um but the largest known anaconda was 17 feet long um with um your average female anaconda being between 15 and about 16 and a half feet and male anacondas averaging about 10 feet long. So the anacondas in this are a bit larger than your everyday average anaconda, but only They're to like the a size certain of a degree. city block. Yeah, They're it's huge. still terrifying. <laughs> I mean, like even it very well might just be like a dinosaur. Yeah. And like they could body curl you up a 10 foot reach if they need to which is still they, fucking okay, terrifying so does that mean it's happened or does that mean that they like theoretically according to the laws of their biology do it i think it's just theoretic but man would i be intrigued to know if somebody has actually been bicep curled by an anaconda i mean we wouldn't know about it because they'd be dead you're right you make a good point <laughs> there matt um I just remember seeing some video about, uh, like, they had one of those things where it's, like, experts watch and they just, like, critique it. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, just, like, a like a biologist. Or, like, I don't even think they were specifically a snake expert. Or if they were, they just knew a lot about this particular type of snake. And they were just watching all these different movies that had snakes as, like, the antagonist. And they got to Anaconda. And they're, like, before we start, we're, like, told in medical, like, in our, like, medical training, like, in the field, like, when you work with Anacondas, like, Watch that movie, and then I'm going to alleviate all your fears once you learn that the snake can't do anything you see it can in that movie. And then they went into it, and we're like, yeah, nope, this can't work because of this. This can't work because of this. And snakes <laughs> definitely never do that. Um, <laughs> it just okay. seemed like good. It's, it's, it's kind of like how Jaws, it was like murky because like sharks can and do kill people. Mm-hmm. And they might, in some theoretical concept, resort to hunting people in extreme circumstances. But, like, a snake, again, we have to come back to it. Bicep curling you up a waterfall. It's just a magnificent feat of nature that I don't want to pity with science. I don't want to weigh it down with the truth. I just yeah. want to be like, holy shit, look at that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's now get that we've suspended movie. the disbelief of snakes, we can get into it. Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, we start off the movie with our um, unnamed poacher, played by Danny Trejo, going through the end of Jaws with a giant snake <laughs> in his boat. But unlike the end of Jaws, um, Danny Trejo is not able to kill the snake and decides he doesn't want to die by the snake. So he decides to kill himself at the top of his boat. Which, honestly, I kind of understand. If your options are um, gunshot, self-inflicted death, and being devoured by an anaconda, and potentially being crushed, I think I'd take the easy way out. Especially because you know you're going to get eat. Yeah, yeah. It's not like it's a question of, like, oh, it could happen. No, it's going to happen. Yeah, like, the only way the snake can, like, kill you is if it eats you. <laughs> mm-hmm. What happens to him, though? What does happen to him? Doesn't he not shoot himself? Because we don't. We find the ship later, but we don't find his body. 
We don't fight his body, but I'm pretty sure we get a gunshot as the as the camera uh, pans out. Well, and if that's the case that he does shoot himself, like, if you're going into this, like, okay, it's a silly, fun anaconda movie. I don't think you're expecting <laughs> that. No, you're not you're expecting like, oh, that wow. to be the start of your movie. No, especially not now because it's Danny Trejo. Yeah. And it's like the movie is only going to appreciate in admiration for Danny Trejo. Well, and it sets the stakes for just how intense this anaconda is in that someone would literally rather die than have to look it in the eye when it kills it. Or kills Especially because it's like, man, that's like what it wants you to do. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to give it the satisfaction. Damn. Yeah. And like, yeah, maybe the snake still ate him, but at least he didn't have to feel it. Right. And during that whole scene, we have the first of many times that this movie takes a note from Sam Raimi and does, like, snake POV shots, especially while it's swimming and moving through the Those jungle. shots are so cool. Like, yeah, any time they're done. But being done from the perspective of a snake in a river is just such a different take on it that I really liked. Because it gives you that added, like maneuverability like you know how fast this thing can go and you Mm -hmm. know how like uh like adaptable it is like it it, water doesn't slow it down water like almost makes it faster like yeah a lot easier there and the way yeah through the use of those sam raimi like pov shots um you even see it like kill something and how easy it is to to kill something of like human size mm-hmm. that is objectively tougher than a person it, it kills a panther yeah squeezes it so tightly that its eyeball pops out of its skull well also it's kind of scary to think that this anaconda is faster than a panther yeah like it got the drop on a panther yeah and, like, panthers are already scary to us humans because they're fast and dangerous. And this thing just took it down like it was nothing. Yeah, it's kind of like, um, remember how we were talking about how uh, um, Richard Dreyfus shows up in Piranha at the beginning and just, like, gets killed to be like, hey, mm-hmm. he, he theoretically thought out, like, th- like outthought a shark. Piranhas will fucking wreck him. Mm-hmm. It's like a panther in another reality would have been the Anaconda movie. Yeah. Like it would have been a giant panther. Um, <laughs> the uh, the whole practice of Anacondas even attacking people at all, apparently, according to IMDb, 38 of 40 people found this interesting, uh, says that Anacondas actually don't attack people. They more often than not attack each other. Um, and the female Anacondas, like most species that are sweet in nature, are larger than males and almost for fun will just eat them. So... Oh. It's almost nice. like the panther is like nothing for it because it's like if if the anaconda of this movie could eat itself like some like another one of it, mm-hmm. you're it pretty would. much fucked. Yeah. <laughs> Man, snake facts with Steph. Thank you, Steph. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have more? Sure. Yes, I'll take a couple. Of snake more. facts. Snake facts segment. Okay. Um, Keeping with, we promise we'll get back to it in a minute, but the anacondas in the film are hunting in broad daylight, and they can move around from water to dry land with no problem, so like we just said. Uh, in real life, apparently, they are nocturnal and spend most of their lives in water, and uh, they swim because they're too fat to move swiftly on land. <laughs> so it's kind of like if anacondas made a movie about themselves and like wanted to like cover up hype all their shortcomings. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, man, we're actually kind of like bitches on land. What if we were, like, huge and powerful and fast? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Snake propaganda. Of... Yeah, so we talked a little bit. They're 40 feet long in this movie. Yeah, the real, the longest one is about 17 feet. So it's not even like, it's like more than double the size, man. So I guess what we can come away with this movie a positive is that unlike Jaws, where like you watch a great movie and you're also like, man, I'm kind of afraid of sharks. Like even in like my fucking community pool, mm-hmm. um, anacondas are maybe dangerous, but like they're not gonna kill you and your entire crew and almost kill Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, and they most certainly would not kill Danny Trejo. No, not nowadays. <laughs> so not nowadays. <laughs> Um, so once we've learned that the snake is extraordinarily dangerous, after we've mm-hmm. seen it kill a bunch of things and people, 
uh, we kind of start to take this movie seriously, which is strange. It starts to look like it's shot like a professional nature documentary. Well, and that feels very fitting because they are, our characters are making a documentary about, um, what was it, a hidden civilization? Yes, it's one of those, because uh, they're on the Amazon River, and in real life, there still are uncon- uncontacted uh, native tribes in the Amazon rainforest, mm-hmm. and I think they're looking for a specific one that's, like, not only is it uncontacted, but it's, like, notoriously difficult to find. Yeah, and so that's why they have to bring the professor along, because he's, like, their expert or whatever, and he's got a lot of... I kind of thought he was more of, like, the narrator for the documentary. Because oh, the guy that actually yeah, you're knew everything right. was the, I guess, supposed to be hunky, like, explorer the, guy? The, I, I, yeah, I guess. Because, yeah, you're right. The British boy is just there to narrate and get annoying about <laughs> yeah, tea. Yeah, he's there to give it some, like, legitimacy of academia. Yeah. <laughs> He's more just like an actor. Like, he really, at the end of the day, is just a British guy they found. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, and we got Ice Cube as our cameraman. Um, we have J-Lo as our director. We have her so, boyfriend as <laughs> producer, question mark? Okay, so it's kind of interesting because at the beginning of the movie, it's established, like, their tension is the th- is thicker than the anaconda. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they kind of drop hints later that, like, they used to date, in which case, like, this is the greatest sign of, like, get back together with each other. Well, because that's um, even the something that Ice Cube talks to her about, because he's like, oh, I see yeah. mixing business with pleasure on this cruise. Dude, Ice like, Cube is the coolest character. Oh, movie. he's such a bro. I love him so much. <laughs> I love him, man. Like that scene where he's playing probably NWA on the boat, and they're just like turn it off, and he's like, "Fuck you." Well, you want to you want to try to turn it off? And doesn't he turn it back on louder just to piss yep. off British boy? Which honestly, <laughs> yeah. also, can I just talk about? British guy decides that the best way to spend his time while the boat is cruising is to work on his line drives for golfing. This yeah, man is the was worst a- <laughs> golf swing I've ever seen on film. I was watching it with Bell, uh, too, in addition to Kelly, and uh, uh, I think Harrison and Izzy were over, too. And I'm just like, a, a fake British professor with, like, all of the expensive clothes on a chartered, like, boat down the Amazon hitting golf balls into the Amazon River is probably, like, the purest, like... <laughs> political cartoon example of like (laughs) colonialism i could possibly think of (laughs) because i'm seeing him hit golf balls i'm like you like this is the like remember we used to talk about like if you eat an apple in a movie like you're the bad guy or you're at least like the smarmy malfoy yeah you're the asshole yeah this is that for (laughs) an adventure movie like, You're there's a right. character just like this in the Mummy movies, too. He just does everything short of hit golf balls into the Amazon River. Because <laughs> even he wouldn't go that far. No, they were just in the desert, and he did the equivalent of that, which was be like, let's get natives to dig tombs for us. Ah, uh, yes. Naturally. But, yeah, as funny as it is to make fun of him, because it is, it's one of those things where... Like, a lot of, like, good old-fashioned slashers, you have the people that, like you want dead, but as opposed to a slasher being like, oh, they smoked weed or had sex, I want them dead because I have good, evil values. Mm-hmm. In this case, you're like, oh, this guy's an asshole. I hope he gets eaten by a giant snake. Yeah. Because <laughs> I really didn't want, like, I had a lot of characters I didn't want dead, which is sometimes a first. Yeah, um, but it's cool to have characters you want to live and want dead because then you get to play the like Game of Thrones game. We're like, oh, are my characters that I like gonna be dead? And if so, are they gonna die before the people I want dead to die? Mm-hmm. Well, like, and, in, he... and in this case, it's the snake. Well, and what's kind of nice about this movie in that they do have these character arcs that they go on is sometimes characters you don't want to see die. By the time they do die, you kind of do want to see them die. I'm going to speak particularly to Owen Wilson's character. Yeah. Because, like, yeah. <laughs> he starts off just a really chill dude um, who's got his girlfriend there. They almost get killed by a boar. Um, that was pretty creepy because they do say, like, yeah, boars scene. are, like, high-key dangerous. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and then he starts to kind of get manipulated by this random hitchhike, uh, essentially river hitchhiker they found. Um, <laughs> river hitchhiker. <laughs> and then he's a good way of saying friends. And then you're like, you know what? Fuck you, Gary. It's time to go. Yeah, and then uh, this, and then you still feel this, bad when he does die. I mean, I kind of did, but it was more because I'm like, did they just kill Owen Wilson? They would yep. never do that. Um, but this this aforementioned river hitchhiker, this this fisherman, <laughs> uh, is in fact a snake hunter who is on his way to try to kill these enormous snakes, and it's kind of hard to disagree with him because these things are objectively dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, it just kind of seems very colonizer to be like, let's kill the thing the native tribes worship. But at the end of the day, if you grew up in a jungle and there was a 40-foot reptile that could kill people, and again, for the fifth time, bicep curl them <laughs> up a waterfall and, eat, and them. eat them, you'd worship them. And I don't blame them. So uh, John Voight wanting to kill the snakes is its own kind of moral dilemma because it's nice because you could be like, yeah, kill the snake. You know, I want my heroes to get out of here. But you're also like, I mean, the snake's just kind of living, man. This guy's kind of a prick. I kind of hope he fails. <laughs> well, and it's not even that he wants to kill the snake because he doesn't want to. He d- I thought he that was like what it was. He wanted to capture it. He is wants that, to capture it, it alive. The others, as soon as That's it starts right. fucking with them, they're like, man, we just got to <laughs> kill this snake. And he's like, no, we're going to keep it alive and use you guys as human bait so I can try to kidnap it. And like... That's a little fucked up. I mean, yeah, but I mean, like, I get where he's I think Owen from. Wilson does have the point too, where he's like, "Dude, if and when he does, this is clearly a freak of nature reptile that we could make bank marketing our documentary on." Well, and he's it's like, "Our regular like, documentary's dead because our producer, or main guy who was helping run the thing, got stabbed okay. in the inside of the throat by a wasp." Yeah, can we? Can we fucking talk about this? Because holy shit, the thought the f- the thought of this actually happening to me gives me nightmares now. Yeah, um, Hunky Mick producer that is the explorer type that J Lo is almost gonna bone mm-hmm. goes diving because their anchor gets caught on uh, you know underwater foliage, um, and because the Amazon is like a nightmare place where everything wants to kill, uh, the. There's just an evil bug mm-hmm. that's in... I think it was in his mask. It somehow yeah, got into the tubes of his so mask. So it's that... Um, uh, what's his name? Um, John Voight's character put it in his mask before he gave them the mask. Yeah. We don't find that out until yes. much later when we find out that John Voight is a bad guy. That he's guy. actually evil? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, he put this like horrible fucking nightmare wasp in his mask... To, like, swell up his throat while he's diving underwater so he can't breathe. Yeah. It's horrifying because then we get the return of the pen tracheectomy. Uh, From Saw 5. I always hate. Yeah, because it's... It just reminds me that, like, if I'm in a scenario like that, I can't do it. <laughs> that, that I'm like, oh, well, I could, but I have to do that throat thing and I, I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that's where you would draw the line, Matt, is that the pen tracheotomy because well it's like i think i can't do a lot of things i think i could do that well and here's where you had the victory i don't know if you even remember this but i was literally talking to steph about this in the car ride home uh today or yesterday um remember when we would watch bride of chucky and there's that scene where she has that guy dispose of the body for her and Mm -hmm. she just does it by like asking nicely because she's jennifer tilly and she's hot Uh and like i was like that would get me I'd outwit every serial killer. I would find a way to outwit every horror slasher. And you were like, and that's what's going to get you? The fact that she's pretty? I, and, I, mean, I understand that I think you just have more. it over me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, but you can do the pen thing. I feel like you could still refuse her. I can't. And I can't do the pen thing. And this is why, you know, I, I need help. This is me saying that I need... I'm asking for help sometimes. I can't is, do everything on my own. This is why we're a team, Matt. Because you'll this survive exactly in the purge and I team. can give us pen trick <laughs> <laughs> 
I remember, God, were we, I remember we were talking, we were joking about it when we were like being like, yeah, man, our end times team, I have to have people I can trust to shoot me. And you're like, I can't do that. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's good. We'll just have more people. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the balance. I can't kill you and you can't hurt yourself. Yeah. And, and if you need, if you're choking, I need someone else to be there. <laughs> So I need someone that would do the, the pen thing for you and shoot me if I got bit by a zombie. Yep. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> as we said, Fred Welker is the voice of the anaconda. And by voice, we mean the sound effects of its hissing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the anaconda, once it does start to show up, there is the CGI uh, factor. And it is very much of the time. But I feel like it still looks good. Um, but what I really appreciate is that they integrated as much animatronic prop snake as they as they possibly could. Yeah. Both now that I learned because of how expensive the CGI was, but also I think because they were still trying to hold on to some form of like homage to like the creature features like Saw, not Saw, Jaws, which is with the J and the S is at the end. Um <laughs> <laughs> were that used mostly animatronics as well, and probably would have used CGI if they had the technology, especially because their animatronic was butt fucking awful. Well, yeah, and this feels because it was very recently after Jurassic Park, which was still in the era of using an animatronic and then bumping it with CGI if they need to for scenes that they right. can't really do with their animatronic. I think it's very much of the time in that it fits with that still, which I really wish we can jump back to as a, as a, a filmmaking society. I would love to see more practical effects again, and I always appreciate it when we see them. It, it's just all, it's just, it sucks because you have the movie, like you said, like Jurassic Park, that it, the CGI was not a means to just do shit. It mm-hmm. was a means to cover for what they couldn't do practically. Exactly. Like you can't make dinosaur you can't make those velociraptors jump on top of shit and be as fluid with animatronics or even puppets if mm-hmm. you want it to make it look as good as you want it to. And I'm gonna say it for the twelfth time. You can't have an animatronic anaconda <laughs> do the things that it needs to do for this movie. I won't say it again. <laughs> But you know what I mean. Everyone knows what I mean. <laughs> Everyone knows what bicep but, curl you're talking about. But you bring up a really good point, and I'm very much with you, where I do wish that, you know, in this time that, you know, movies are such a lucrative business, the reason that we need to rely so much on CGI is because it's quick and relatively cheap, and it can mm-hmm. be done quickly to pump out a bunch of movies, like any particular franchise going on right now. Yep. But to use practical effects and to do things like this or to do things like Jurassic Park, it takes more effort and more time and honestly, more trust in a creative team. Yeah. Do you think that the people that made Anaconda really believed it was going to make all this money? They no. very well may have, but I feel like they didn't actually care enough to know. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, they gave it a budget of $45 million. They didn't really think it was going to blow anything out of the water. Yeah. Um. However, I'm also glad that you mentioned the animatronic Bruce with Jaws, because uh, yeah. this movie also had its uh, problems with their animatronic uh, monster, um, and yeah. so much so that in one of their scenes, the animatronic shorted out, where it just, they basically lost control of it for like a solid 30 seconds, and yep. <laughs> they used some of that footage in the movie. Because they're I, like, oh, this is I just so real. This is cool. <laughs> I saw it ahead of time, but I couldn't place where in the movie it was. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just attributed that to them being very skilled filmmakers, that they were even able to make the time that they couldn't control it and that it was probably actually dangerous. Yeah. And made again, it look like they were trying to do that. Thousands of pounds of animatronic. Yeah. It's like, um, you know that story? Have you seen The NeverEnding Story? I haven't. Uh, there's a scene in it. It's like a it's like a Henson uh, warehouse project that has a lot of animatronics and stuff, and mm-hmm. they used a lot more machines as opposed to like practical puppets. Okay. And because of that, they had concerns like, yeah, um, so our giant big nightmare wolf head is gonna have real spikes for its teeth, and so there's a scene where uh, the kid almost gets bitten. Uh, and this this spike almost because the machine short shorted out the tooth actually almost impaled this kid, and 
I Jesus. feel like maybe that's also why they don't do animatronics because they they can kill you mm-hmm. if they don't work. Um, and yeah, to have a huge, you know, snake c- construction, snake golem, mm-hmm. to lose control. Like snakes don't get that big in real life, but you made an animatronic that was that big. So in it's kind of like like what we talked about with Jaws, where that woman that was uh, getting attacked at the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, the thing that was underwater was like pushing her against stuff. Mm-hmm. And we were like, where does it kind of become acting and a real trauma response to a shark attack? Yeah. Like at a certain point, if you make a giant anaconda and lose control of it, I mean, is, is the movie not real? <laughs> yeah. Well, and, I mean, this was also in that era where animatronics were big. So after the movie was finished and released... They actually took some of the animatronic anaconda and brought it to a uh, California Academy of Sciences in San Francisco to show college students how it worked, who were going oh, into wow. like engineering, which I think cool. is smart. And that's how you inspire the next generation of practical effects artists. Yeah, because you have like all of the, uh, the technical artists b- being in there being like, okay, here's how it works. This is everything that went wrong. Can you please make something better? <laughs> yeah. Like, can you make it not run on batteries or whatever the fuck? I don't know. Yeah, can you have it not run works. on triple A's? <laughs> <laughs> can you have it be waterproof, please? We need to make it be waterproof. <laughs> We're making a movie about a shark animatronic, and it doesn't work underwater. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's... Uh, one scene I want to talk about towards the, the, I think it's towards the middle. So after John Voight has revealed himself to be evil, um, the hunky explorer producer has been taken out. He's recovering from his uh, pen tracheectomy. Mm-hmm. Um, and for all intents and purposes, the crew has been hijacked to help this guy catch this snake, mm-hmm. whether they like it or not. Um, they have this weird, like almost heist movie level. <laughs> scene where they try to like distract the 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 captain with jennifer lopez and i it's an interesting scene and i really feel like i need your help as like a like you're a professionally trained actor you have a degree in it correct so i need your help dissecting the scene so is j-lo trying to fuck him or is like when she's supposed to be doing that is is her bad acting supposed to be bad or is that because JLo is such a good actor that she's trying to make the character be bad at seducing this man okay so here's how i read that scene as a trade because either way i I love it because it's genius (laughs) so i think of it because she's a documentary filmmaker and she doesn't have to normally deal with actors as a character i'm gonna still call her JLo because that's who it is but as her character, yes. um, she's not a good actress and she doesn't really know how to lie very well, which I feel like had kind of been pointed at and hinted at earlier in the movie, that she's kind of a That's terrible true. liar. And so when she's going <laughs> up to John Voight and trying to sed- fake seduce him, which he also recognizes immediately but still takes advantage of. Yeah, um, he's like, ah, this could go somewhere. <laughs> he's like, I'm not stupid. I know this isn't going to go where I want it to, but I'm going to take advantage of as much as I can. And so yeah. he still gets to I kiss guess. J-Lo. But I, I mean, still... how many people in the world can say that? Exactly. And so I guess I was always reading it as it's her trying to be an actor and seduce him, but she's just not, her character just isn't good at it. So she, as Jennifer Lopez, has to act like a character very well who is very bad at acting. Which, for me, I always think the hardest thing to do as an actor is play a bad actor. Because it just takes that extra level of being good to be believable as bad. Which I know is complicated in concept. But it no, makes but that's sense. why I wanted to bring it up. Because it's it that's that made me think of that. I'm like, man, I love when... Like, it kind of reminds, like, Jennifer Lopez's character pretending like she doesn't know how to seduce men is kind of like when they made the first Avenger when uh, uh, fucking Chris Evans had to pretend like he couldn't do push-ups when he was filming the scenes of him pre-serum. Yes! Like, when he had to pretend like he couldn't do Mm push-ups. And it was like, come on. Chris Evans at that point was enormously jacked. (laughs) 
Exactly. And it's like Jennifer Lopez, like, is a dancer. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, I'm not saying, like, that means that she's more or less, like, sexually attractive, but, like, she knows her brand. She had just played Selena. She she is a, and like you said, clearly a very good actress. She knows exactly how to, how to seduce a man, especially because she was at the peak of how hot Jennifer Lopez was, like, in the cultural, like, zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. Like, she was the hot actress. She was the hot celebrity. And I think she was dating Ben Affleck at the time where they were married. But, like, she was, she was a hot item. So for mm-hmm. her to pretend like she can't <laughs> seduce this guy was kind of hilarious. And you're right, a testament to her acting ability. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought that scene was just funny. I, I wanted to talk about that. I just you out of, like, the anaconda is not the only thing that makes this movie interesting. The rapport the characters have with each other mm-hmm. um, and, like, how and why they act the way they do is very believable and entertaining. And it's easy yeah. to follow. And then when they want to do deep stuff, they can if they want to. Well, yeah, and this movie also is juggling a lot of different, like, kind of sub-genres of film. Like, it has a heist scene. It has a scene where the entire boat is taken hostage by a man who is dead set on capturing the world's largest anaconda. Um, it co- it covers a lot of ground, and it's a swift ninety minute movie, and mm-hmm. it it doesn't at least to me when I was watching it for the first time. I don't know how it is on rewatches. It doesn't feel like it drags at any point because you seriously don't know what's going to happen next. Agreed. There was never any time that they needed filler. Like any time they were like, let's kill a couple minutes. They're like, let's check in with Ice Cube and the Professor and see them not get along. But it yeah, served and, to and they're letting you something. breathe a little bit between things. But it still has a purpose. Yeah, because what was the tagline of this movie? Something about not being able to breathe. When you can't breathe, you can't scream. When you, when you, can't, when you can't breathe, you can't scream. That's right. <laughs> so you need to be able to breathe so you can scream. Yep. Don't know if they did it on purpose, but yes, I think that just makes them good filmmakers that they yeah. let it they they take time to let it grow naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, we're almost to the scene where we can talk about the bicep curl, but we have to talk about why the snake starts attacking them in the first place. Mm-hmm. So the snake is not evil; it is a wild animal that does not have good or evil. It just purely is. Mm-hmm. So. As they get closer to uh, the lair of the snake, they also get closer to signs of life within the uh, uh, indigenous camps. So they have all these statues that are of people with this giant serpent. Mm-hmm. So it's like when the native tribes start like talking about the monster, like don't fuck with it because mm-hmm. it's probably a big deal. Like in all the King Kong movies when they're like, yeah, we call him Kong because calling him anything else would just, like, incur his wrath. And they're like, okay, what is it? And they're like, it's an enormous ape. It's calm. We overestimated. Yeah, we're in over our heads, man. Mm -hmm. Um, They piss it off because there's a damned part of the river that uh, John Voight forces the crew to blow up with dynamite, Mm -hmm. which uh, destroys part of the snake's nest, I believe. Yeah, it, it... Blows up a bunch of tiny baby snakes into their boat. And uh, war- I think the warrior, the first snake, mm-hmm. has to go respond to that. Uh, so there, he is the first of two snakes to show up. Um, I don't remember how they kill this one, but it's just because they the way they kill the second one is so nuts. That I so, just don't remember. I don't think they actually necessarily kill the warrior snake. But um, they do, like, wound it enough where it doesn't want to fuck with them anymore. Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here because it's after the bicep curl, but I'm going to get into this. Um, What (laughs) happens is uh, J-Lo gets a pistol and essentially just shoots it in the face a bunch of times and blinds one of its eyes. So it's just like, you know what, fuck this, I'm leaving. The, head, the the note I have is just, in all caps, HEADSHOT, FUCK HUMAN SHIELDS. Because now I remember that the snake comes out of the water to attack her, holding the dead body of another person, like, in the way, mm-hmm. so that she shoots that, but she doesn't fall for it, and then she shoots it right in the face. Correct. That was pretty dope. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's not dead, but maybe it is. At the very least, it's not but, coming after them anymore. 
No, and it's done a lot because it's killed. Uh, it killed somebody. It killed Mateo um, at first with the when they were looking for fuel. Yes, it killed him, and then it. And then it, it eats, kill? And then it who's eats the bicep Gary. Huh? Oh yes, it eats Gary first. That was unfortunate and very sad. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because that's when they try to like tie up John Voight and be like, "Hey, fucking stop it." Yeah. Fucking come eat him. We're not part of this. Um, yeah. And then we get to the professor at the waterfall. Okay, so I'm gonna I have to walk through it just so you can in your Please. mind see it. Or you can just YouTube it because it's nuts. It's one of my favorite parts of the entire movie. The professor is running he's running away from the snake, and the snake is, like we said, about forty feet long. So in an effort to evade it, which is pretty smart, the professor goes to jump off of a relatively uh, medium-sized waterfall, maybe like 20 feet down into water. He survived the fall, and he just escaped the snake. Mm-hmm. And there's no real way down the waterfall unless, again, the snake can just go down the waterfall because it can swim. I don't know. Um, but the snake doesn't do that. The snake decides to flex, literally. It catches up to him just as he jumps off of the waterfall. It wraps about a quarter of its body around a tree that's right at the top of it and then follows it, like, throws its body off of the (laughs) waterfall, bites him in midair, and then, like, folds him backwards up like a freaking Mm yo-yo. And I'd say bicep curl because the snake is, like, I mean, the snake is a huge muscle. Mm -hmm. So watching it just pull him back up and curl him up as it's, like, coiling him up and crushing him to death. Um, it's just, like, when I think of Anaconda, I think of this scene. Yeah. That's, like, the one that sticks out. It's, like, if you want to see a snake just go against all laws of nature and kill people. That's the scene. Watch Anaconda, man. Watch that scene. Watch Anaconda because it's got that scene and it's got a halfway decent story to go along with it. Oh, Yeah. Um, and for the, the queen snake, uh, once they've um, lured, not lured, they found where its actual big nesting place is, and it's this old, like, oil refinery or some sort of, like, settlement that has long since been abandoned. Kind of reminds me of the early ride queue from the Viper at Six Flags Great America. <gasps> yes! Where it's, like, a big empty building with a bunch of snakes inside of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, they start to have what I call snake combat. Uh, where they start <laughs> fighting the snake at different points because it's a huge snake. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, John Voight's there trying to kill Ice Cube and, J- and J-Lo. And um, kidnap the snake, the snake at the same time. Eat... Yeah. The snake manages to eat John Voight, but it does oh. that thing they said at the beginning of the movie where as the, t- the remaining two are fleeing up a ladder, it decides that it wants to kill them more. It vomits John Voight out and then goes to chase them up the ladder. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I just think the, the concept of fighting a large snake is cinematically very cool, especially mm-hmm. because the way they had the CGI framed, they kind of just like had the actors do a lot of the physical movements, and then they added the snake in post. Yeah. And that's always a very impressive feat of filmmaking, too, to make that look real. Well, and it's really hard as an actor, too, to be working with literally nothing but your director probably yelling at you at what's happening and just having to make it look <laughs> real. Yeah. I mean, they probably used the snake, the, the, just a big head on a stick like they mm-hmm. use for crawl, uh, just to be like, it's over here. Like, this is where it's coming at you. Yeah. Um, and the way they kill this one also could have established an even cooler sequel. Uh, they, there's a big reserve of fuel uh, in this settlement that they have filled up a large smokestack tower with. And... They tr- they want to lure it up this tower so that it goes past all of these things, jump off the tower, and blow it up so that the snake is pretty much vaporized because mm-hmm. it's stretched out to its full length to chase them up this tower. Well, and they keep it um, stuck there with putting it, essentially stabbing its tail with a pickaxe. Yeah, so man. it can't. So it has clutch. to just go up. Yeah, it can only follow JLo up this tower, um, and they they set off the explosives. The thing 
seemingly vaporized but comes out of the water still on fire kind of like mm-hmm. jaws and jaws 2 when it gets blown up and then it yeah. looks like two-face so the i kind of now want a fire snake i want the uh anaconda <laughs> to come back like jason like a revenant anaconda and it to be on fire um even underwater amazing <laughs> uh and apparently there's three sequels and none of them are about the fire so there's four sequels to this movie um one was released theatrically and one was a crossover um a crossover so the most recent sequel was uh lake placid versus anaconda which is a sci-fi original movie oh i wish i was kidding no this is very real Um, oh my god that happened about seven years ago and I do have to sadly say that much like everything else in Hollywood, as of January 2020, Sony Pictures announced a reboot in development of Anaconda. It's a giant snake. Like we've already got the we've already got the giant snake movie. It's like how you never want to remake Jaws. You got Jaws. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and the the they do have a screenwriter for the movie, which. I, I don't know how I feel about him writing the reboot hmm. um, because his, the movies he's written, it, it the highlights, I guess I should say, are uh, Snow White and the Huntsman. A uh, decent movie? I'd like that. Divergent, the okay. movie based on the book. The uh, Michael Bay Ninja Turtles movie. And the Tomb Raider movie from a couple years back. So just like, huh. I don't know if that makes it good or bad. It definitely makes those movies big. Yeah, so I'll be intrigued huh. to see what he what he does with it. Yeah. But I I wonder we'll if they'll see. get J-Lo back. Because like, this is like the season of the requel. If like they'll have her do another one. <laughs> they'll bring back J-Lo and Ice Cube to be the ones who have a vendetta against the Anaconda's Dude, children or something. You know what? They might do it. I actually like, wouldn't be Ice upset Cube's with that. Ice Cube's not doing a whole lot. J-Lo is still acting. I mean, why not? I mean, Jennifer, if they can get Jamie Lee Curtis to do another ho- three more Halloween movies, they can certainly get them to do Anaconda. You're right. Also, I would like to point out that this movie did win uh, two awards the year it was released. Um, it won at the Stinker's Bad Movie Awards. Um, the it, what? <laughs> I, it's called the Stinker's Bad Movie Awards. Um, that just gets right to the point. John Voight won two awards that night for uh, worst supporting <laughs> actor and worst fake accent. I'm so glad that they nailed him with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Also, at the Golden Raspberry Awards, um, the animatronic Anaconda was nominated for worst new star. And it was nominated for Worst Screen Couple with John Voight. <laughs> Again, that scene that was so bad on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I, do you have anything else for this? I mean, I really don't have a whole lot. Anaconda is just a very big 90s, like, gemstone. As it, there's only um, so much I can say about it. Guy. I mean, come on. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, I, I know that you may have your own opinions based on what you've heard us talk about this movie. But truly, right. if you have an hour and a half to kill and you just want to watch a fun movie, I think Anaconda is a great one. It's not overly scary. It's certainly not gory. It's a very right. easily accessible horror movie. Especially now that we're getting to horror season for everybody, not just us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a great, fun little romp you can have in the Amazon. Yeah. Man, and honestly, I think that's kind of what makes a good nature nightmare movie, is if it's just a fun animal movie. It doesn't really need to be all that authentic. All it really needs to do is be entertaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um... <laughs> 
follow our Instagram at the underscore square horror podcast. You can reach us at square horror podcast at gmail.com. Uh, what do we have next week, sir? Next week, we are going to be talking about Cujo, which is another uh, animal movie I've never seen before. So, you've, you kind of know the Stephen King, though, right? Yeah. You know the story? Yeah, I loosely know the story. Okay. Because I'm also kind of torn because we did reference Lake Placid on this episode, and now that I'm thinking about it, I'm a little sad that we didn't cover it um but i think that it will be a very good fit in a future horror comedy series yeah because honestly we'll come back it is far more a comedy than it is a horror movie (laughs) (laughs) um so we've got cujo we've got a couple more animal nightmares before we get into spooktober i'm Mm -hmm. extremely excited to get into it i'm very Um, excited for what we got in the pipeline this year very much so. I'm also very thankful that you have your Spooktember, Spooktober schedule that I've just kind of made tweaks to uh, mm-hmm. on my personal Instagram. Uh, don't mat me. There is a daily count not count up to what we're what I'm at least watching because I know that we've had the same schedule, but I've just done variations of it. Like we had a Halloween, but I watched the Rob Zombie one. You watched Mm -hmm. the original one. Yeah. And I've just kind of been picking and choosing as I see fits. I say, yeah. And we've made some, a little adjustments. So both of ours are a little bit different, but for the most part, we have a similar schedule. Yeah. It's been nice to not have to worry about it. So, uh, thanks for that. Always happy to help. (laughs) Excellent. All right, y'all. Um, my advice, um, don't believe the uh, big anaconda, uh, their big propaganda. Um, they're not actually all that fast on land. They're not very big, and they eat each other more than people. So uh, kill them? No, don't kill them. <laughs> <laughs> well, until next time, stay spooky out there. Mm-hmm.